Let's open our Bibles this morning, and at the end of the service today, we're going to celebrate communion. Isn't that awesome? And so we're in a series called The Blessed Life. In Genesis 1.28, the Bible says, And God blessed them and told them to be fruitful and to multiply and to replenish the earth. We understand that this blessing goes on from generation to generation. For we that are in Christ Jesus are blessed with faithful Abraham. We also looked at the fact that this is absolutely true, that even though we've been through some fire and some water, even some earthquakes here in the Bay Area, but God has brought us into what kind of a place? Well, he's brought us into a wealthy place. And as one translation says, he's brought us into a place of rich fulfillment. Your wealthy place is your blessed place. It is a place where you will flourish and it is a place where you fit. And as we said last week, that the blessing place and the favor place is, or the blessing and the favor of God on your life is place dependent. God has a wealthy location for us. And he has a wealthy condition that we can be in when we are in the location and when we are in the place that God has called us to be. Amen? Say it with me. It's my wealthy place. It's my blessing place. And so it's not up to us to decide where our place is. It's up to us to discover our place. And so we identify our place by our grace. Abraham discovered the provision of God when he was on Mount Moriah, ready to offer up his son Isaac. There was a ram in the thicket, and that was the provision that day for the offering. And the name of that place was Jehovah-Jireh, or the Lord will provide. So provision came when Abraham was in the right place, at the right time, doing the right thing. And it's no difference in our lives. Provision will come to you as you sell out to God. As you live your life for Him. As you serve Him with all of your heart. Provision will come. He will see to it that your condition is awesome in Jesus' name. Amen? Now look with me this morning at Proverbs twenty-eight twenty. That's kind of a recap of last week. In Proverbs 28, 20, we've been looking at some of the qualifications, if you will, or the positioning for greater blessing to live this blessed life in life. Amen? In Proverbs 28, 20, it says that the faithful man shall abound with what? Now that word abound means to overflow. It means to have more than enough. It means much more than you need. Not just enough, but more than enough. A faithful man shall abound with blessings. Now that lines up with what Jesus said in John 10.10. I've come that you might have life to the full in abundance until it overflows. This blessed life is an abounding life. This blessed life is an overflowing life. This life that you and I can live is a life of much, much more. The psalmist had a revelation of it. He said, he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemy and my cup. Notice he didn't say my cup is completely full. Notice he didn't say that it's all the way to the brim. No, he said my cup is running over. And that is what Abraham and Lot experienced in the land that they were sharing. They had too many camels. 
They had too many cows. They had too many goats. The land couldn't contain all of it, so they had to split up and go their separate ways. How many of you know that Peter, when he had a net breaking, ship sinking, harvest, he had too many fish? Did you know that the monkeys in the world today have too many bananas? I'm telling you, your God is a God of too much. Can God give you too much to where your cup is running over? But now notice this. Who is going to experience this? A faithful man is going to experience this. Not just anybody. The NIV says of Proverbs 28, 20, that a faithful man will be richly blessed. Not just blessed, but abundantly, amply, and magnificently blessed. Now in aviation, when they train pilots, they train them not to get fixated on a certain instrument. Oftentimes, pilots, when they get fixated on something in the cockpit, they lose track of whatever else may be going on. And many of them have flown into a side of a hill or side of a mountain because they've been fixated. And I think sometimes in the body of Christ, it's easy to get fixated on the blessing. It's easy to get fixated on the good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. But you see... That's just part of it. You see, God's part is to bless us. Our part is to be faithful. For it is a faithful man that will abound with blessings. Amen? It is a giving man or a giving woman that will experience the good measure. Come on, somebody. The press down, the shaking together, and the running over blessing. So what we want to make sure then is that we do our part. Now, most people simply do not qualify because they haven't been faithful. Haven't been faithful with what, Pastor? Haven't been faithful with what they've already been given. And I want you to know it's not about crying and pushing and demanding for more increase or more blessing in our lives. It's about qualifying. In Luke 16.10 it says this, It says, He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust in the least is also unjust in much. You see, here's the truth. How you and I, and I include myself in this, how you and I handle what God has given to us, no matter how large or how small, it will determine whether or not we receive more. The size of the gift, the size of the assignment does not matter. It can be large Or it can be small. Who knows about it does not matter. That's not the issue. What matters is what do we do with the little opportunities? What do we do with the abilities, the talents that God has given us? And a faithful man will take those and he will steward them and he will magnify the Lord with them. Listen, friends, when you show faithfulness to God, you are showing your heart. And God is looking for faithful people in the land and in today. He knows your gifts. He knows your abilities. He knows what you can do. He knows what you 
cannot do. You may not be as gifted in an area as someone else is gifted, but you have a talent. You have a gift. Don't allow fear to cause you to hide your gift under a bushel. Don't allow fear to cause you to bury your gift. No. Lift up that gift before the Lord and use it for the glory of God and for the advancement of the kingdom of God. Be a faithful man, a faithful woman, and you will be blessed. Amen. Every one of us. We want to hear, well done. But it's not reasonable that we're going to hear that if we're not faithful. I got good news for you. If you need to make some adjustments, you still have some time. The trumpet hasn't sounded yet. But for some of you, it may be time to get busy. So are, are all faithful? That's the question. Well, in Psalm 12, 1, it says, Help, Lord, for the godly man ceases, for the faithful fail from among the children of men. The NIV says, Help, Lord, for no one is faithful anymore. Those who are loyal have vanished from the human race. That's pretty serious. In Proverbs 20 and verse 6, it says this, Most men will proclaim everyone his own goodness, but a faithful man who can find. The Good News Translation says this, Everyone talks about how loyal and faithful they are, but just try to find someone who really is. (laughs) So anyway, moving right along. So faith and faithfulness are rare, and they are very precious characteristics. Make up your mind that you're going to be one of the rare ones. Make up your mind that if you are faithful, that you're going to continue to be faithful until the Lord returns. Faithfulness is not foreign to your recreated human spirit. It is a fruit of the spirit. In Galatians chapter 5, it talks about faithfulness. So, to be one of the rare ones, and I believe I'm looking at a rare group. So to be one of the rare ones, we got to know what faithfulness is. Well, let's define it. Faithfulness simply means to be stable, to be steady, to be reliable, to be trustworthy, to be dependable. When you're talking about faithfulness, the best example of faithfulness we have is God himself. The Father is faithful. Faithfulness is part of the characteristic of our Heavenly Father. Amen? He's completely trustworthy. He's totally dependable. He is utterly reliable, and He is worthy of all of your trust. Have you found out that He is faithful? Well, thank God, Deuteronomy says this, God is faithful. Hallelujah. And he keeps covenant and mercy with, to those that love his commandments to a thousand generations. Amen. I think we could have a Holy Ghost hoedown right now about how good God is. And about how faithful God is. Look at Lamentations chapter 3. Verse 21 through 23. This is something that we need to recall to our mind, talk about, rehearse, remember the goodness of God and the faithfulness of God. 
This I recall to my mind. The way that you recall this to your mind is you think about his faithfulness and you talk about his faithfulness. And as you do that, it gives you hope. And hope is a confident and a favorable expectation of good. So as you remember the faithfulness of God, look what the Lord has already done in your life. That means when the test comes, you have hope that not only has he done it, but he'll do it again. Next verse, verse 22. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions do not fail. Verse 23. Let's read this one together. They are new. Let's read that with a little bit more oomph. Ready, read. They are new every morning. Woohoo! See, there's no temptation taking you, but this is common to man. But God is faithful. He will not suffer you to be tempted above your ability to endure and to overcome every temptation, every test, and every trial. Say it with me. My God is faithful to me. Even in the midst of the valley of the shadow of death, I put my trust in my faithful father and I know in whom I have believed that he is able to cause me to always triumph in life. You like that? He is your faithful and merciful high priest. Peter says he is our faithful creator. John said, if you miss it in your sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. One day the faithful one is coming back on a white horse and he is called in Revelation 22, faithful and true. Hallelujah. So what do you say? We imitate him and we open up the door for a greater blessed life than ever before by imitating him and being faithful. What is it about him that makes him faithful? Well, is he not always there for us? Is he not always there for us? I like that all the time. He's there for us all the time. As a matter of fact, we have a promise in the word of God that says he will never leave us. He will never leave you without support. Never. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Let me just read it to you. For he, God himself, has said, I will not in any way foul you, give you up, or leave you without support. I will not, he said that three times, not in any degree leave you helpless, nor forsake you, and I'm never going to let you down. Woo! How many of you know that man can let us down? But God is not a man. God is not a let down God. God is a God who lifts us and upholds us by the mighty word of his power. He said, assuredly not. I'm never going to leave you. I mean, there's a song in there somewhere. 
I'm feeling some kind of Temptations or Four Top song coming on. Never going to leave you. Ha, ha, ha. Amen. Anyway, you better get back in the spirit. All right. So your father is always there. Now, the question is, is how about us? Are we there? Are we where God wants us to be? What's the condition of our heart? Are we there for our wife? Are we there for our husbands? Are we there for our brothers and sisters in Christ? Are we there? Are we there for this nation? How can I be here for this nation? You can be here for this nation in prayer. Are we there? Are we in? Or are we kind of halfway in and halfway out? Are we there? Are you there for your church? That's all I'm going to say about that because I'm not the judge and, you know, I'm not, I'm not the one who's called you. But if this is your God-ordained place and this is your God-ordained uh, place of worship, then you should be there. Not only physically, but spiritually, you should be here. Here in prayer, here in service, and here in your giving. Amen, Pastor My Glory to God. Great preaching. Are you, are you where you're supposed to be with God? Yes. Number two, here's what makes God unique. And here's what is a characteristic of his faithfulness. How many of you know he can't lie? He can't lie. There's no such a thing as a faithful liar. It was just a little lie, a little, you know, just a, a little lie. How I many of you know a lie is a lie? Yes. And little lies give place to bigger lies. Yes. And you know who the father of lies is? Yes. The devil's not your father. No. Your heavenly father is your father, yes. and he ain't a liar. No, he God's not a man that he should lie. No. Neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said and shall he not do it? Hath he spoken it? Come on, somebody. And shall he not make it? He'll make it good. So what we're saying is this, is he backs up his words with actions. Hebrews says it this way, 21 verse 23 says, Therefore let us hold fast the profession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. His promises are true. And he watches over his word to perform it in your life. Why is that? Because he is a doer of his word. Maybe you've never heard it quite put like that. But your father is a doer of his word. He backs his word up with actions. And if we're going to be like him, then we must be keepers of our word. In other words, we must stay with what we say. We should then back our words up with actions. Amen. So, he's always there. He never lies. Number three, he doesn't change. He doesn't change. I'm glad he doesn't change. Hallelujah. James 1.17, we don't have it up there, but let me try to quote it for you. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. 
and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. In other words, no variableness means this. He's good, he's light, and he don't change. And he ain't about to change. Whoo! He's an unchanging. Hallelujah, God. We have an unchanging covenant with an unchanging God. My covenant I will not break. Nor will I ever alter or change the things that have come out of my mouth. Amen? He's the same. He says, I am the Lord and I don't change. What does that mean? That means he's steady. He's stable. He's consistent. So if we are faithful, then we too will be steady. We will be consistent. Uh, Proverbs 25, 19. Seems how you're listening so good and you're with me today. Thank you, Jesus. You had that extra hour of sleep. That espresso or green tea, whatever it is, is kicking in. Amen. Now, thank God for the anointing. Let's read this together. Proverbs 25, 19. Ready, read. Confidence in an unfaithful man. You ever had a foot out of joint? Oh, it's bad. I've sprained my ankle a few times in sports. And last Sunday, as a matter of fact, we came home and, and we were you know, going from the garage into the house. And I I rolled my ankle. I thank God the Lord caught it in time. Because it, it, you know, but you don't want to have a foot out of a joint. And and broken teeth are no good. You know, and confidence in an unfaithful man in a time of trouble, it doesn't work. Why is that? Because you cannot depend on an unfaithful man. We should be able to depend on one another. All of the body parts at Heart of the Bay have a supply to bring. We should be faithful to keep our commitments. What does that mean? I'm not going to change. I'm not going to change. I'm not likely to wake up tomorrow morning and change occupations. I'm not likely to change my confession of faith. Don't change. Now for those who will be faithful and say, every, everyone say with me, that's me. That's us. Now, look at here. Look at here what can happen to the faithful. I got good news for you. Years ago, a man of God had a word from God. How many of you believe in words from God? Now, not all words are from God. And the way you... I don't know why I'm getting off on this. But the way... The way that you judge a word, whether it's from God or not, is does it line up with what you have in your spirit? And not only that, does it line up with the Bible? Amen? I mean, if, it, if it's out beyond the Bible, it's too far out for me. Amen? But this man had a word years ago, and it just you know, resonates with my spirit. And even though the word came out years ago, uh, the word is still true today. And here's the word. I love it. It's a simple one. The faithful shall flourish and they shall experience days of heaven upon the earth. 
To flourish means to thrive, to increase, to enlarge, to grow, to prosper, to abound, to spread out, to make steady progress, and to be at a high point in life. Days of heaven upon the earth. You know that's in the Bible? You know that's found over in Deuteronomy chapter 11 and verse 21? The New Living Translation says this, So that as long as the sky remains above the earth, you and your children, everyone say, me and my children. Now notice what's going to happen. We're going to flourish in the land. Woohoo! Flourishing, thriving, days of heaven on earth is God's will for us. Amen? Now, here's a very important part of that, a very important part of flourishing. If we're going to flourish, we need to be planted. If we're going to bring forth fruit, we've got to be planted somewhere. Psalms 92, very interesting verse, says this. Psalm 92, verses 12 through 14 says, The righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. They shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Amen. Now here it is. Those that be planted in the house of the Lord, what shall they do? They're going to flourish in the courts of their God. But not only that, verse 14 says, They shall still bring forth fruit in old age. They shall be fat and flourishing. Don't let that word fat throw you. (laughs) That word fat means fresh. I was telling Brenda today, you know. I've been trying to eat more plants lately, you know. And... uh, less meat and so forth and but I think I overdosed on carbohydrates I said I had a hard time buckling my belt today I better go have a steak after church I don't know that's right Those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. Here's what Adam Clark said about that verse. He said, just as these trees, talking about the cedars in Lebanon, flourish in their respective soils and climates, so shall the righteous. Now, whether our soil is a local church or a designated geographical region, God has a place for each of us which intends us to flourish to the fullest. Again, going back to our wealthy place. Amen? The condition is our uh, wealthy place. Amen? So it's important then to find out where you belong and to be planted and to be faithful and to flourish because those that are planted in the house of the Lord those are the ones that are going to thrive amen amen that's why it's so important to find the right place you do know that it's important to have the right church 
And there's a lot of churches in the Bay Area. If this one doesn't suit you, if this one doesn't fit you, I'm not being ugly about it. Go somewhere where it does suit you. I want what's best for you. If this church is not what's best for you, and there's another church that's better for you, and that you just kind of seem to jive a little bit more with, then go there. But don't go there and sit. And don't go there and moan. And don't go there and complain. Go there and be a blessing. And be a blessing here. And be a participating member here. Get on the right track. Get on the growth track. Amen. Now listen, I don't have a long word. I've been preaching 30 minutes and 47 seconds. We're going to receive communion today. But I got a couple things I just need to say before we close. How many of you are are open? To thrive means to increase, to become more successful, to advance. And to advance involves promotion. It means to rise in rank. And it means to be preferred. Now I saw a verse of scripture that just went off in my spirit yesterday. And I want to share this with you. So let's look at Psalms 101. And we're going to look at verse 6. And I believe it is the amplified version that we're going to look at. Psalms 101 in verse 6. There's great truth here. He says, My eyes shall look with favor upon the faithful. My eyes. What this is saying is God is searching for those who will be faithful. The eyes of the Lord are running forth throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of those whose hearts are loyal or who are faithful to him. And so he said, My eyes shall look with favor upon the faithful of the land. Now notice, that they may what? That word dwell there is an awesome word. If you look at John 15, you'll see the word dwell. It means to abide, but it also means to remain. He says, when I find a man or a woman who is faithful, they're going to live in me. I'm going to live in them. But beyond living with me and me living in them, there's going to be some abiding And in that dwelling and in that remaining place, in that secret place, there is greater presence than what we could even imagine. Great presence are upon the faithful. I've seen the presence of God come upon people in this church right in their respective areas of service. I'm in the anointing of God's on them so strong. What is that? That's God attending their way and attending their service with the presence of God. That's powerful. That they may dwell with me. Now notice the rest. He who walks blamelessly. That word blamelessly means perfectly. Or he who walks with a mindset of developing and cultivating this glorious fruit of faithfulness. He who walks that way, notice this. He ministers to me. He ministers to me. 
He ministers to me. Serving Him, folks. Being faithful in your life. It ministers to God. So praise and worship is not the only way that we minister to Him. We minister to Him. Come on, somebody. When we minister to one another. Glory to God. He shall minister to me. And Young's translation says it this way. My eyes are on the faithful of the land to dwell with me. Whoso is walking in a perfect way, he said, he serves me. Oh, there is no greater joy that I know than to serve him. Nothing's better. It doesn't get any better than finding out what your abilities and your giftings are and your talents are and not being bothered about other people's giftings and abilities. You just magnify what God's called you to do. Serve Him. Life at its fullest and life at its best is loving Him and serving Him and loving His people. And it's an act of worship. Years ago, I did a series called That We Have Been Saved to Serve. Look at your neighbor and say, I've been saved to serve. And so this is, an, this, is a, this is big. This is a major area that we need mind renewal in. What is that? That your spiritual service is worship. One of the greatest greatest ways we worship God is with our service. It's not just about singing. It's not just about praising or jerking or running or hanging from the chandeliers. Thank God for all of it that's in the Spirit. But as living sacrifices, you dedicate your life to God. Which is your spiritual or rational worship to render assistance to be useful for service the most miserable life is the self-serving life it's an unfulfilling life but I am persuaded very strongly in my spirit that this church here is a company of sons and daughters who love God with all of their heart And are saying, Lord, I'm yours. And I'm all in for what you have for me. In Jesus' name. Is that you? Well, let's just lift up your hands right now.